How many coconut it costs to get Mercury car with clean silhouette? Hey everybody and welcome to a new edition of Talking About Cars. We're back. I'm Randy Cardoon and everybody has a car story. In this edition, our pal Chris Jacobs from Velocity and a new show on TLC called Long Lost Family. He joined me in Scottsdale, Arizona inside the Smokey and the Bandit promo car. We'll hear his knowledge of Smokey and the Bandit trivia while him and I try Smokey and the Bandit karaoke. Mm. But first, she's the two-time defending pro stock driver in the NHRA, working on three straight championships this year. But how did Erica Ender Stevens get her start with automobiles? And what did the queen of the NHRA say about Erica? I talked with Erica at last year's Winter Nationals in Pomona. Oh gosh, when I was a little girl, my dad had a red Porsche, and I remember I'd stand at the window and watch him go to work every day, and he'd wave to me out the sunroof. Um, but we're car people. He, he, he's always had a million cars, so that's the first one I remember. But, um, you know, growing up, they were uh, big Mercedes fans, and, um, you know, of course, racing stuff was totally different than your, your hoity-toity streetcar stuff, but um, dualies and... Uh, toter homes and stacker trailers and uh, stuff like that so my uh, my first car when I turned 16 my dad bought me a f-150 lariat that was jacked up 11 inches and had 39 inch super swamper tires on it so it was a big old jacked up truck you know I'm from Texas so a uh, little different for a girl to be driving that now, did that include the little stairway that you had to climb up to get into the cab well that was the cool part when I opened the door the steps came down so uh, I could hop up in there on their own or electric they were electric. Oh, that's an upgrade then. So the Lariat must have had that as part of the uh, package? No, he did it. Um, I think it was like a four-wheel parts edition uh, at that one of those stores in Texas. But it uh, it ran off of a magnet, I think, and you opened the door and it lowered down and stepped up. <laughs> one would think if you drive a truck like that, you did a little off-roading from time to time. Well, that was part of the deal. I wasn't allowed to go off-roading. So I did. I went mud in one time. I got grounded for a month. So uh, I didn't do that anymore. It was way too nice to take in the mud like it was a show truck. It's like giving you a case of ice cream bars and saying, oh, by the way, you can't eat them. Exactly. It was a lot of temptation, <laughs> believe me. <laughs> but I think you bought me the big jacked up truck so I wouldn't get in trouble street racing. So what was it like having that kind of vehicle in high school? It was cool. I definitely had the coolest car on the property. I mean, there was a handful of other car guys that I hung out with. The guy I dated in high school had a 69 Camaro and, uh, you know, him and I and my dad and his dad did a bunch of motor work to it and um, we took that out on Saturday nights and stuff so um, there's a couple other guys with new body style Camaros as well that would do the street racing scene so I always found the car people no matter where I went but uh, loved my truck it stuck out like a sore thumb in the parking lot <laughs> and it was very high you never had to worry about forgetting where you parked it exactly and my dad said if you get in a wreck somebody's gonna hit you in the ankles they're not gonna hurt you so that was part of his reason behind it as well that's good. Dad Dad was looking out for you. Did you ever get a chance to drive any of his cars? I did. I drove all of his stuff. Um, but he, the first time, like, was there a car that he had that he said, okay, here are the keys, but, you know, you could tell he was like, oh, my gosh, you know, you're freaking out a little bit? He let me take uh, 
one of his Mercedes to school one day and I could tell he was a little pessimistic about handing the keys. Everybody t fully trusted me, but I went to school with a bunch of hoodlums. So um, it was uh, it was definitely interesting. And that was like a, a just a handful of times I got to drive that car. It was really nice. And um, I also had a, a Cobra, like a, a clutch car. Uh, I think it was a 97. It uh, had side pipes and a roll bar and all of that. So that a Mustang Cobra. Yeah, Mustang Cobra, okay, okay. and um, it was convertible and uh, really loud and obnoxious. So that was like my Friday car. Define hoodlums. I don't even know how to. Do it. Just a bunch <laughs> of goofballs that always got in trouble. Not really, but um, my school, uh, the first graduating class was 2000. I was 2002, so it was a smaller school and um, came, you know, it was a nice area. And then after. Uh, they changed boundaries and stuff. We took in a, a bunch of kind of not so nice areas and things changed a lot at school. So um, you had to watch your stuff a little more careful. Just a reminder to everybody who's listening, if you hear some engine noise in the background, we are actually coming to you from Pomona. Uh, we recorded this during the uh, Winter Nationals here at uh, Pomona where uh, you, of course, I, I would imagine just one race question that the pressure in a sense is off for you because you've already won back to back. Yeah, I guess so. It's a, it's a lot different than last year. You know, we came here uh, with a 19-point lead, and that's one point shy of a round. And, of course, Jason Line and I qualified on opposite sides of the ladder and ended up meeting in the finals and, um, you know, for a winner-take-all final round deal. And, fortunately, we came out on top. So you want to talk about pressure. It was crazy. We went toe-to-toe -to -toe every round. He ran in front of me. If he won, I had to win to keep our championship hopes alive. And then this year's different. We, we wrapped it up in Las Vegas last week. So we came came into Pomona already crowned world champions. And, um, you know, I was sitting in the back with my crew chiefs yesterday. I'm like, let's just pretend like we haven't won the championship yet, you know, and race like we like we normally race. So we're not changing our mindset. You know, we still have the pressure to win this event, but um, it's definitely a, a lot different feeling than last year. I bet indeed. Let's get back to talking a little bit about some of the vehicles you had. I Again, it, it's always interesting to me. First off, what do you what do you have in your garage right now? Uh, obviously not here, but what do you have in home in your garage? I have I just got a brand new 2016 Tahoe, the LTZ, and I drive for Chevrolet, so I really I really enjoy the Tahoe. Um, I have a two door Mercedes that was like my everyday car, and I just got the Tahoe last week. So those are the two cars I have now. Um, my husband, his business is uh, he's got a body body shop, a salvage yard, a used car lot, tow trucks. So he works in that industry. So he's always driving something different home every day. I don't, I have no idea what his cars are. <laughs> that comes in handy though, based on his uh, job and your career. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said at the beginning of this, we're, we're car people through and through, and uh, I guess we attract to one another. Is there a car, and you've had several, is there a car that you don't have anymore that you think of yourself, man, oh man, I wish I could get that back? Yep, 1967 Chevelle Supersport that my dad and I built together and, um, you know, ended up having to sell it in 2007. And um, I, I said I'm going to find it one day if I ever make enough money to buy it back and um, surprise my dad with it because it had a lot of sentimental value. And we just uh, got in one of those situations where we had to get rid of it and it sucked. So I'm going to find it one day if somebody hasn't ruined it because it was like, beautiful pristine show car but it had a 468 under the hood and um one of the guy that built my super gas super comp motors tommy castalis from houston engine and balancing he built that engine for us and it was uh just such a badass car and I i'm gonna find it one day did you ever see that commercial that chevy did the one where the the family was looking for the dad's old 65 impala dear god 
That's my old Chevy. We got it, Pop. You're kidding me. <laughs> really? Yeah. Come on. Really? <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> God, I'm gonna have a heart attack. Where'd you get it? We found it. We found it. I can't talk. I don't. It's okay. It took five years. Really? Hear me? It's all good, Dad. We found it. Wow. That's what I have pictured for happening with my dad in the future. So I'm going to try my best to find it one of these days. Any idea where it is? I don't know. I know the guy that we sold it to um, passed away, so I'm not sure where it went after him. Um, but I do know that he put air conditioner on it, which he totally cut up the firewall, which was beautiful. And um, that'll make you want to puke. But um, I'm sure I can fix it if I find it. <laughs> All right. Anybody out there uh, in our listening range, in the podcast range, uh, if you've heard of that 67 Chevy Malibu, it's super sport, right? 67 Chevelle. Just 67 Chevelle. Was it a 300 or a Malibu? It was red and pretty. It was red and pretty. I know that. I'm a girl. You got to remember that. Yeah. Okay. About that. Yeah, of course you are. I understand that. Cars that you would want someday. Is there anything that you look ahead? I mean, you're kind of busy nowadays racing and stuff and, and living day to day. Is there a car out there one day, whether it be classic or anything else, that you thought, wow, I'd like that's number one on my list someday? Well, my dad and I right now are building a 57 Nomad and um, just got a 500-inch fuel injection motor for it last night. So that's pretty cool. He's, he's really into hot rods and building that stuff. I like the old type of cars. So if I can't ever find that 67 Chevelle, I want, might want to build one of those again one day. I love a 69 Camaro. That's pretty cliche, but I think they're a beautiful car. Um, as far as dream cars go that I'll probably never have, um, but one can wish is that, that two-door Bentley. I mean, they're a couple hundred grand, which is stupid. You could buy a house for that. But if I just fell upon a bazillion dollars, that's probably what I'd buy. But I'm a truck girl. I'm, my brother-in-law's got this big old gray jacked up f-250 diesel truck and um i really like that so i don't i don't know that's my thing you know i'll have a house that's like small and i'll have a 16 car garage full of fun toys so that'll be uh that's my goal that's a pretty good goal actually very good very good goal i am always interested in uh the possibility of i told you i was at SEMA and i listened to uh, you guys on the dais uh, i interviewed shirley muldowney over the phone the other day and i asked her above the women drivers that are going on now who's your favorite well, my, I have a favorite, but the best out there, bar none, is Erica Enders. She's, she is, you know, I'm, I'm really uh, struggling for a, a word that would describe what she is. You know, she's got the style, she's got the, but her ability in the car and her knowledge of what's going on and her knowledge of what is about to happen with the car... Uh, she knows her equipment better than any of the girls out there, and she has obviously proved that. Uh, her career has only just begun. What, what does that make you think? That's pretty awesome. It's uh, You know, I grew up as a huge fan of Shirley's. I'm still a huge fan, obviously, but over the years she became a mentor and eventually a friend, so it's uh, pretty cool to have her in my corner, and I could sit there and listen to her stories for hours. I mean, she what she did for, for the women in our sport, paving the way, she did it in an era where it wasn't okay for women to compete on the on an 
level playing field with men in a male dominated uh, sport. So she's uh, she's tough and she uh, she definitely means business. So I uh, I look up to her for that and it's uh, it's a huge honor for her to speak so highly of my driving. It, it means the world to me. You said we were talking about the movie. I think we talked to you on the uh, on KNX once, and you were talking about you've seen the Shirley Donald Downey movie. I have Heart Like a Wheel. I've seen it a hundred times, but um, that was pretty neat. And then at, you know, my sister and I in '03 had a Disney movie made after us, our life stories, but it was about junior drag racing. So it's a lot different than Heart Like a Wheel, but I still felt like I, I still felt like I had like a little bit of uh, something in common with Shirley having a movie out there. Talk about that, the whole movie thing. I mean, for a little while, you guys were a little Hollywood royalty. Yeah, a little bit, I guess. I mean, um, they filmed the movie it, my senior year of high school. I graduated in 02, and it was released in March of 03. But we were on set for six weeks, and um, Courtney and I did all of the quote-unquote stunt driving. I mean, it was just racing to us. So it was really cool to be a significant part of actually making the movie. And we ser we served as technical advisors on set, you know, because movie people have, know nothing about drag racing. So if you ever do see the movie, there's a lot of stuff in there is like, okay, if you know anything about racing, that does not happen. But the producer said, hey, look, 50 million people are going to see this movie. There's probably 200,000 of them that know the technical side of your sport. So I'm playing to the other the other big bunch. So it's uh, it's definitely interesting. And the movie business is so much different than the business that I'm used to. But um, it was such a surreal experience, you know, to, to be 17 years old and have a, a movie being made about your life story at, at a young age. So it was uh, it was cool, and Courtney and I are honored to have that. I was asking Shirley about or what would it be like if she drove today, she came into the biz today. I ask you the opposite question. Can you imagine or have you ever thought about the possibility of what if you tried to do what you're doing right now back in the day? Yeah, I've definitely thought about it, especially being friends with Shirley. And, um, you know, it, it was a different time back then. I know, and I'm not trying to play the the crybaby card by any means but there are unfortunately still a bunch of people with a chauvinistic mentality which I uh, attribute to their ignorance but that's just my opinion um, you know our cars know no gender I don't feel any different out here my guys treat me like one of the guys and all I want to be is a racer so having the mindset that I have now um, I assume that I would have the same personality if I was from a different era but um, you know knowing what I have to go through out here now in 2015 uh, I can't fathom what it was like in the 70s so it, it would definitely have been tough I'm sure I wasn't born with thick skin it's something that I had to acquire over the years but um, you know I could definitely learned some lessons from Shirley. Well, and Shirley, as you remembered her, as you've known from knowing her, and she mentioned it during the SEMA interviews, she's still, she's still uh, a pistol. She's a pistol. Yeah, she's a, and that's something that's so cool about her is that you're not going to walk on her. You know what I mean? And um, that's admirable, I think. I, I think that there are a lot of people out here that'll just do anything that they can for a driving job and um but if you don't stand up for yourself nobody's going to you know my dad used to come to all my races he's not here all the time anymore my husband's not here all the time so I've learned to step up to the plate and go toe-to-toe -to -toe with these guys if they you know say something to me and Shirley's the same way that's how you have to be out here you know they wouldn't say those things to another man because they get cracked in the jaw so it's uh it's a little bit different but you gotta you gotta play both sides of the fence and um try to keep it classy i guess we watch john force and the way his kids have all become race car drivers uh would you want to see your kids 
become race car drivers like you? Well, I don't really want kids, but I guess if I had to have them, um, you know, having if if we did have them, both of you know their parents are race car drivers and um, their grandparents would have been race car drivers. So um, I feel like it runs in our blood. So I'm sure that they would they would grow up out here with us and um, fall in love with the sport and have the same passion for it as well. So I don't know, maybe. You know, we'll see one day, but uh, God's got the ultimate plan in his hands, And um, but we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> Eric Anders-Stevens, uh, you've been so gracious to, for the time. Talk a little bit about next year and, and how, what your goals are. I mean, obviously, you're going to try and win a third straight. That's something that doesn't happen very often. No, it doesn't, and that's certainly our goal. Um, we're very optimistic heading into next year, but um, we've got a lot of changes uh, that are on the horizon. We're switching from carburetors to fuel injection. Um, you know, we've got uh, a shorter wheelie bar. We've got a 10,500 RPM rev limiter that's being put on our cars. So it's going to be a whole different playing field. But the, the cool part about it is everybody's dealt the same rules. And I feel like I have the smartest, uh, most capable guys in the business. So I'm sure that we'll, uh, we'll find our way back to the top. Erica Ender Stevens. And a reminder, we'll be playing Shirley Muldowney's entire interview and future editions of Talking About Cars. So keep touch with what we're doing on iTunes and also SoundCloud and, of course, TalkingAboutCars.net. All right, let's head to Scottsdale, Arizona. I had some fun with Chris Jacobs, host on Velocity's Barrett-Jackson Auctions and the new series on adoptions on TLC. It's called Long Lost Family, and it's certainly worth checking out. By the way, also on that show, my Fox 11 pal from when I was at Channel 11 in Los Angeles, Lisa Joyner, she does a great job as well. Chris and I were in a Pontiac Trans Am when we talked about his Trans Am story. We're in the car. I mean, how the cool is that? Car. Very cool. Very cool. How often do we get a chance? Do you get a chance to actually sit in a movie or TV car? You know, not too often. Uh, a few times, but this is this is pretty cool. I uh, last year here at Barrett Jackson, I sat in um, Bubba Watson's General Lee. So yeah, I remember that. Close, but uh, this one, you know, as far as movies go, this is a great car. So. Your Trans Am story. What do you remember about Trans Am's, your experiences? Well, I mean, apart from just them being a very iconic vehicle while I was growing up, one of the final episodes we did on overhauling, the second to last build that we ever undertook, and the very last episode, new episode to air, mm -hmm. was a Smoking the Bandit tribute car that Chip did just an absolutely beautiful rendition of 20-inch wheels based on the honeycombs that are on the original. Mm -hmm. uh, Diamond-stitched interior. Um, Mike Lavalley came and did the uh, his true flame on the uh, Screaming Chicken. So, um, one of my favorite builds, actually. It's kind of ironic that it was the last episode that, that ever aired, the last new episode. But uh, an absolutely beautiful car. So, whenever I see one of these, my mind instantly goes back to that overhaul and build, in addition to the memories I have growing up. I mean, you know, I, I was born in 1970, so this, this car was right as I was first kind of knowing about cars and really appreciating what cars were, this was one of them. Now, you saw the movie, when you think about yeah. Smokey and the Bandit, the first one especially, yeah. what comes to mind? <laughs> well, what comes to mind immediately is that scene where Jackie Gleason is is in his car and it doesn't have any doors and a roof on it. And he's you know still got his hat on. He's he's still chasing the bandit. So uh, that always kind of cracks me up. With and, his son in the, in the yep, passenger seat, yep, his holding son, his hat. If holding I remember his hat right. on, yeah, exactly. So that that always cracks me up. You know, Smoking the Bandit is one of those movies where if you're on the couch on a Sunday afternoon and you're channel surfing and you come across Smoking the Bandit, 
you put the remote down right there. Mm -hmm. And of course, the other scenes, they always have these great stunt scenes yeah. where let's say they're driving down the highway. Excuse me, I don't have to even do this. I've got the wheel right <laughs> got here. got the wheel right there. Driving down the highway and all of a sudden, the next thing you know, they're sliding at 80 miles an hour or more into the center divider and spinning around and all this. And he has Sally Field in the seat. Yeah. Personal experience, Chris, I'd imagine that taking your best girl and doing that in real life would probably not be a good thing. No, probably not. You know, safety first when you're out there on the road. But hey, we were living vicariously through Bert and Sally in the movie, so I'm glad that they did it for us. Uh, another classic scene that I remember from the movie is when the, uh, the, the big rigs kind of hid Bert while he was being chased by That's the cops. Right. You know, they kind of boxed him in, and mm -hmm. so the cops couldn't see him as they were going by. Um, you know, uh, Jerry Reed was just such a great sidekick to Burt in that movie and, uh, and played such a great role. You know, if you think about that movie, it's such a, such a complete movie. It's such a good movie. There's no wasted scenes in that movie. Absolutely. Now, of course, that means I've come up with the ultimate. Ah. I have Smokey and the Bandit trivia. Nice. Right here for you. Nice. Uh, uh, one interesting note, though. They, of course, was uh, Atlanta to Texarkana and eventually dropped the beer off somewhere up, I'm not mistaken, in Boston or something. And according to IMDB, which is where I got all this information from, if they had done that in the right amount of time as based on the movie, they would have had to be going 121 miles an hour on an average. Now, what kind of different movie would that have been? Yeah, that would have been fun. That would have been more like a vanishing point. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. All right. All right, Chris. All right. How many Dukes of Hazard TV stars were in Smokey and the Bandit? Zero, one, or three? One, Catherine Bach. That was wrong. Oh, um, but she is one of them, right? No. No, not according Catherine to Bach wasn't in there? Not according to IMDb. Damn. It was John Schneider, Sonny Schroyer, who played Enos, and Ben Jones. Oh, well, all right. I'm all for one. All right. That's okay. That was one of my favorite TV shows, That's too. okay. All right. Two. How long did it take for Jerry Reed to write the song Eastbound and Down? Was it two weeks, two days, two hours? Two hours. You are correct. Nice. Very good. It's almost a loaded question right there because, you know, you know it's got to be something that you wouldn't be able to believe. So, what a great song, too. Yeah. Eastbound and down, loaded up and trucking. They can't be done. We got a long way to go. And a short time to get there. Oh, eastbound to wash up and it runs. Thank you. Thank you very much. I think that's our big hit. All right. Who was originally supposed to play the bandit? It wasn't Burt Reynolds. In fact, they hired a guy. Was it Elvis Presley, Jerry Reed, or Sally Field? <laughs> I will have to go with... It can't be Elvis. Elvis was in his fat and bloated stage at that point, wasn't he? <laughs> we'll have to go with Jerry Reed. You are correct. Nice. Very good. Very good deduction. <laughs> Two of three for Chris. All right. How many movies did Burt Reynolds, and this this will come in handy because you're in Entertainment Tonight alone. How many movies did Burt Reynolds and Sally Field actually do together? One, four, or six? Probably four. You are correct. Nice. Three of four. Nice. Smokey and the Bandit, one and two. Right. They also did Hooper. Right. And the end. Great movie. All within about five years. Hooper is another great movie. Hooper was a great movie. I just remember Sally Field going, Hooper! So I know that they were in that one together. <laughs> Absolutely. Very good. All right, here we go. Jackie Gleason 
modeled Buford T. Justice after who? A, a sheriff who once pulled him over, B, Hal Needham, or three, Burt Reynolds' dad. A sheriff who once pulled him over. You are absolutely wrong! Oh. Oh. Eh. No, it was actually Burt Reynolds' dad. Really? Yeah, Burt, I guess, told him a lot about him and all that, and that that's was pretty it. cool. But that's not bad. You've done, you've only missed two. That's pretty good. And pretty final good. one. All right. What engine did the Trans Am that went over the bridge, remember that great scene? Yes. The greatest yes. stunt of all. Right. Destroyed the car. Mm -hmm. What kind of engine was in that car? Was it an Olds, a Chevy, or a Pontiac? I'm going to say they probably just stuck a little Chevy 350 in there. Did you say Chevy? I said Chevy. Did I hear Chevy? You heard Chevy. You are correct. Nice. Very good. And Chris was Jacobs. Was it a 350? That I don't know, but I know it was a Chevy. It probably <laughs> I went too was. Far. I very went too good. Far. Thank you very much. Four Thank you. Thank of you. six. Thank very you. good. Thank Chris you. Jacobs, ladies and gentlemen. Thank Chris Jacobs. And by the way, you can see that interview with Chris in the car over at Generation Auto's YouTube channel. Go to YouTube, look up Generation Auto, and you'll find all of our shows. We uh, are doing some stuff together. So combining forces, uh, Julian White and all the great folks at Generation Auto, it's a lot of fun. Richard Rawlings, Rick DeBrule, and others are also on that channel. So check it out on YouTube. Hey, don't forget to tell your friends we're back with new podcasts, and you could listen to us either on iTunes or at our website, talkingaboutcars.net. And don't forget to rate us and write a review. Hey, subscribe on iTunes. Until next week, I'm Randy Cardoon. Join me next time as we have some fun talking about cars.